Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Michael Douse, a director whose films include It's All Gone, Pete Tong, Take Me Home Tonight, Goon, and The F Word. He also wrote the screenplay for the recent remake of The Grand Seduction. His latest project finds him returning to the characters he first brought to the screen 15 years ago with actors David Lawrence and Paul Spence. FUBAR, Age of Computer, is a new series premiering on Viceland this Friday, November 3rd, at 10.30pm. Mike picked Heaven's Gate, Michael Cimino's epic 1980 drama starring Chris Christopherson, Jeff Bridges, Isabelle Huppert, Christopher Walken, Sam Waterston, John Hurt, and, you know, a thousand other people. A western with the sprawl of a historical frontier epic, the film recreates the standoff in Wyoming's Johnson County in the early 1890s when cattle barons tried to drive immigrant families off desirable land. It did not end well. And Chimino, fresh off his Oscar wins for The Deer Hunter, was determined to tell that story with as much spectacle and gravitas as possible. The resulting film was received as a total disaster, only to gradually be embraced by critics and film buffs around the world decades later. Where does Mike come down on it? Just listen. This is someone else's movie. I just, I really love that movie, and the first time I saw it, I was blown away by the scale of it and the artistry of it, and it had had such a bad rap. And had, it had been so maligned by people. And then when I watched it, I just felt like nobody, this was the last of its kind, is that nobody makes movies like this anymore outside of maybe some obscure Bollywood movie that I don't know of that has this massive scale and budget. Um, it had so many stories uh, attached to it of like, that were so negative that I, I was sort of, I, I felt like I needed to watch it just to... Um, you know, to experience it almost as a cautionary tale. But when I watched it, I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is incredible. Like, I, it's so well shot. Um, but the pure cinema of it and the pure scale of it, it's just such a big movie um, that I think everybody should see it at least once and experience. I mean, it's far from perfect. It's it's long. It's unwieldy at points. It's It's... It's far from perfect, but it's uh, they don't make films like this, you know. And it's a uh, it's it's the um, it's the auteur theory gone on on steroids. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's it's the backstory is fascinating, but the actual story I think has has aged very well. And when I watched it again uh, recently for this thing. I was amazed at how um, the great American Western of the themes that he was talking about that probably weren't bubbling as much in 1979 are bubbling right now. It's yeah. basically, you know, it's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of parallels to what's happening today in America, and I think this film would would play. It would be even more controversial if it played today. Yeah, it is. I was struck by that watching the documentary. I just went and caught back up to yeah. to Final Cut, um, and was struck by how the same objections that everyone was making at the time you would make to any movie of that scale. But at the same time, the yeah the subject matter here makes it 
almost an inarguable mission. You would want this movie to be made now. You'd want somebody to be telling yes. the story in this way. And I started thinking about how Deadwood kind of comes up to it as well. And that's, yep. what, 15 years old now? Yeah, it must be, yeah. And Unforgiven almost engages with it. And I don't know but that... But not, not, well, not on the immigrant right? story. Not on, no, not on the... And that's what I think uh, the parallel is today. It's just that, you know, it's... Um, it's about how, at, at its essence, it's about how America should be accepting of, of immigrants. And that's what makes America yes. amazing. And that's what made the West amazing. And you don't, and Westerns aren't about that in a lot of times. They're, you know, they're about a guy, bad guy in town or, you know, and, and about justice in a very sort of simple sense of it. But not as complex as this. And, and um, but the scale of it is insane. Like, I was watching it again. I'm like... Like, you don't need the Harvard thing. I mean, it starts yeah. on, like, three 2,000 people dancing in Harvard and, like... Yeah, the graduation ceremony. The graduation ceremony. Yeah. And, it. I mean, it establishes... You know, initially, I'm like, oh, do you need it? But then as I'm watching the movie and you get into this sort of beautiful... Uh, it has this sort of great... Um, what's the term for it? Like a um, hypnotic sort of feel to it. Yeah. You get to know Chris Christopherson's character... Um, and it actually does start to pay off. Do you know what I mean? So initially yeah. you're like, do you would you need that? Could you just start on him on the train showing up in the town? I mean, you did. They did with the the shorter version, right? The Johnson County War. I think that is actually where it opens. Oh, it does. Yeah, right. I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen that version. But I'd be I, curious I to see that version of it. It's um, it's it felt to me. And I came to Heaven's Gate late also just because, I mean, I remember I was in Toronto when it opened, when it was supposed to open. And I remember it was front page news that the marquee at the university had to be taken down when right. United Artists pulled it back. That yep. ran on the front page of the star. There were people carting it off uh, because the studio recalled it, essentially, yep. and decided it was a disaster before anyone ever saw it. So I approached it with this kind of gauze of of shame right like everybody had talked about it as this disappointment and i don't think it was until the laser disc came out that it was in widescreen right video i never watched the pan and scan versions um, jesus what a, it was horrible what a, right like atrocity. I, I have seen the images and they are not, yeah yeah no yeah, they're not pretty because the, the the visual sprawl is at least as important as the narrative sprawl just for sure the, the fact that he is creating all of this and this is the other thing you can't explain to people now is that there is no cg like There's everything no you see CG is real. He made that. I happen. was trying to think of other films of scale of the same scale, and and I Lawrence's. thought of Titanic. Mm-hmm. No, no, after this oh, that post, had been made. Yeah. That's why I think it's one of the last of its kind. And but even Titanic is so supplemented with CGI that I was like, "There's not a fucking effect shot in that entire movie, yeah. and it's everything is built, and it's it's they just stop making movies after that movie like this. For you know, it did bring down a studio." But it got shat on. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The hostility like, was unimaginable. The fucking reviews are insane how bad it is. Ebert's review, let alone Camby's review, is, is, I mean, it rips the shit out of it. But Ebert, like, it's awful. <laughs> he doesn't see the, the forest through the trees, for the trees. I mean, it's crazy. He's, like, he's ripping the colors. He's ripping uh, the mix. Like yeah. The decisions that are attributed to Chimino in the reviews that I've read... Are, I mean, yes, he had absolute control, and that's one of the problems with the film's existence because he poisoned the well so much by the time that came out, no one could see it as anything other than one man's folly, even though the folly is a well-told story, yeah. self-contained and, and packaged. I, I'm, I'm, I remember trying to reconcile it while I was watching it and thinking, okay, this isn't the greatest movie ever made, but 
it's pretty good, and I think I like it more than the Deer Hunter, and I don't mind the length. <laughs> and the more time I spent in it, the 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 richer it became. Oh yeah, yo for sure. That, that's the thing about it. It's, yeah. I mean, the, we talk. You can talk about the roller skating scene. Like, there's all this sort of. There's a sense of movement in that movie, from the dancing to the to the um, roller skating scene to the, the to the chuck wag to literally circling the wagons yeah, at the yeah. end. Um, that is so well captured in a spirit to that movie. That's that's crazy, and it's it's quite a simple story. Like in terms of like people, what the people can take away from that, it's essentially a kill list. Yeah, which is that's a great sort of inciting incident for a movie, you know, uh, you know, mixed with a like a Jules A. Jim sort of love triangle yeah. story, and it's it's epic. It's it's sprawling. It's I mean, it's rare where uh, where shots literally take my breath away, but there, it happens multiple times in this movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they just don't they don't make it like it. And it's far like I said before, it's far from perfect. Like you could argue that Chris Christopherson is a little wooden in the movie. I think I think um, Jeff Bridges is probably the best actor in that. You could argue that Isabelle Hubert is uh, miscast. I mean, that's probably one of its fatal flaws in that thing. Is that why? And they talk about this in Final Cut a lot. Is like, why the hell is this Parisian actress in the middle of the Wild West running a brothel? Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of, I can see, it's one of those things where I can see myself being talked into it in the moment. Because 100%. she's an immigrant. Of course she's yeah, exactly. Place. Yep. That works for the character. And it also works for her being uh, a central figure in a, in a love triangle. That mm-hmm. she has a, you know, she is something that all the other girls don't. And yeah. there's a... She's exotic. She's Yeah, she's, she's exotic. She's strange. unique. And because she doesn't communicate very well, necessarily, the men could be reading things into what she's doing and saying in a way yeah. that really plays to a masculine Western frontiersman kind of thing. Yeah. It works for the concept. It's just jarring to actually see it, <laughs> which is weird. Right? It's like, a commitment to watch that movie. Yeah. But so you get into it. You you sit back and you just let it sort of flow over you. And What, what was your first experience of it? I think I just I, – I rented it. And just and just watched it and was like, I got to watch as a part of my sort of education of watching movies. I was like, I got to watch this movie. I, one of my other favorite movies is um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. I love the simplicity of the heist in that movie. And obviously the deer hunter is great. And then, you know, you hear all these stories. And it was, I think, you know, like a lot of movies that were introduced. I think I was first introduced to the Mad Magazine parody of the film. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and then uh, people of a certain age, you know what I mean. And then it it was, so it was sort of in my mind. And then I wanted to watch it, and uh, and then I just was like, why do people hate this movie so much? Yeah, like I've, it's like when you see literally one thousand guys in full like Ukrainian immigrant outfits rolling across um, the prairie uh, with snow capped mountains, and you're like, that's it's it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And the scale of it is just crazy, and the uh, the train, every there's no, I mean that's the fatal that's the fatal flaw of the movie is that's what brought it down was this attention to detail, um, but, but the detail is amazing, and every time you watch it, you notice things like there's that shot of Jeff Bridges blowing whiskey or vodka into the turkey or into the the cock's face, yes, the chicken cock, yes. uh, for the cockfighting, even that cockfighting scene, and there's a great sense of humor to the movie as well. Yeah, it's um. It's. I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. I, I guess when you set yourself to constructing a myth, you got to go all in. Like that's the the thing yeah. that I love about the film is that even though it has 
this it has a lighter touch than people think because yep. all the photographs, all the images that were circulated were these gorgeous, composed, serious, burnished, you know, Christopherson looking into the middle distance or John Hurt looking weathered. Yeah. That's what people remember, but to sit through it is to actually live in it. It's yep. it it's a whole space. It's the same thing as I guess maybe that's why I think of Unforgiven too, because Eastwood had that weird dictum where you had to ride a horse into the set. He didn't want any sign of modernity. No wheel tracks, no anything. Yeah, yeah. And this but it's also shot very like it's uh, Unforgiven is shot. And I'm I'm from Calgary originally, okay. So it's shot in um, uh, like 22x, just uh, just north of Waterton, okay. And this is shot uh, like by Cowsbell in Montana. So it's very similar uh, mountain ranges, very yeah. similar geography. It's funny. I was and that's, in Calgary. that's the film I remind it reminds me of the yeah. most for sure is Unforgiven. I went to Calgary for the first time like last month for the film festival, okay. And I've never really understood the whole concept of the big sky, right? But yeah. It goes on and on yeah. and on, and you look to the, the end of the streets in the middle of the city, and you can see sky at the end because the city yeah. just stops. And the c- in that area, like that's that's where they shot the opening of um, the Shining is all shot in oh, Glacier right. Mountain Park. Okay, that whole the area, helicopter is, footage. the helicopter footage is, is Glacier National Park, and that's I believe he shot it just on the other side by Cowsville, Montana. It's amazing. So it's just a magnet for location work? Cause it's, that- it's just stunning. It really is God's country. It's beautiful. And you can see why people... I'm surprised more people don't shoot there. But I think between those two films, they've pretty much owned that area of the world hmm. in terms of shooting. And they're certainly defining it as America in a really interesting way. Yeah. Given that it's not. But, you know, that, we do that all the time. Yeah. Substitutions. But the, the sense that you're watching this town be carved out, that also brings me back to Deadwood where, you know, that spends... What is it? 30 hours all in yeah. on the creation of, of the American economy and the, and the concept yep. of the West giving way to capitalism. And Heaven's Gate packs that into four hours, takes a lot of it as red and has the same impact just because it's angry about it. Like yep. Deadwood is resigned. Uh, there's that phrase, a lie agreed upon, where everybody, you know, this is happening and we can't really stop it, so let's just roll with it. But Heaven's yep. Gate is about the betrayal and the cynicism that created that space. And it's also about the perversion of the American dream. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about it's about the establishment protecting it, and it's about what the true American dream is, which is sort of give me your your tired and huddled masses. And it's about that colliding, and that is colliding even more so today. And so it becomes, I think it it has even more context today, and it is even more interesting becomes because it becomes a metaphor for America today. Uh, more so than it, I think yeah. it ever has been. No, almost forty years later, it's current. It's it's Which, it's you know, probably the most current Western you could think of, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but it's also like the, I mean, what else? I mean, the, just the stories of like what like it has a mythology in itself. It's a it's a stunning film that nobody will ever make in that scale again. Yeah. I mean, that's part of my problem with half these movies that are like a hundred million dollar films is that they spend all the money on effects. And they don't do it practically. And I wonder if you tried to do these things as practically as possible, like how, what could you get away with? And so it just takes you out of the movie because you're like watching things that don't exist, that can't happen. Yeah, and in, and in science fiction, it. you get away with it a little bit more. But even that's what I thought was so great about Logan was that it, it grounded the superhero genre. Um, and that's what this, that's what this movie does because you're it's completely immersed in it because you don't. Nothing is created. There is no effect shots. You are watching a town that he has built, um, and uh, and you're experiencing it. And you you get to know every character. You 
it's fully formed, and even all like sort of the 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 mayor and the um, the 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 immigrant characters, you 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 learn to to um, care about them. Yeah. Well, it's the space, right? The running time allows that. Yeah. You can you can see who well. I mean, Thanks to the Harvard sequence, you can see who they were, and yep. they become almost immediately on arriving in the West. And then there's also everyone they ever interact with is given the same weight. Yeah. As you're saying, like there are no sketches. Yeah, no, exactly. Because there's time to fill everything in. Even the Sam Waterston character, you you know, even a great villain and a great bad guy. Yeah. But he's... But you... Just, he, just a nice person, really. <laughs> it's just like it's he's just to, doing his job. It's he's hard to reconcile that he's protecting what's what, what's his. Yeah, you know. And yeah. then and then the sequel. I mean, the, the it literally has everything you'd ever want in a western. You know, from circling the wagons mm-hmm. at the end, and the, and the cavalry comes in, and not to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, what did you think of the ending? That's that's like, is it a dream? Is it you know? Oh, I, yeah. It's when that. He's on the boat in Rhode Island, and you're like. It's the. Uh, it's the ending of uh, the one I think of is what came later with Once Upon a Time in America, another film that ends in an opium haze. Right. You know that it might all just be uh, an idealized version of it. Like but do you think the wife's on opium? I don't think so. She's kind of lying there, though. Yeah. She does I, look a little like. I think Leone out. picked that up and ran with it. Right. Right. Um, right. But it's it gives you the out that there might be a better way. Like there might be a better ending for these people. Yeah. I don't think there is. I, I think that would go against the whole point of the film. And I love that the composer, Dave Mansfield, is in the film, roller skating like a maniac. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's great. Like, what? Like, they, what I, you know, even like the little scenes like where he goes into haberdashery right off the top and then he he, he punches out um, right. a bully off the top. But you get this sense that you're watching. It, this, the frames are so dense and there's literally everything is so packed with people. That you get a sense that you're watching like a still photograph from that time. Oh, that's nicely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, where you where yeah. you see and there's just so much depth. Like if they all s- turned and smiled or, or posed for the and stopped, it would feel like one of those old west like uh, documentary photos, you know, of yeah. that time. But every single frame is perfectly packed. And what you find out from the documentary in the book is that part of the reason why it went over and why he got so behind was that he placed every single one. Yeah. So he would say, okay, you're back there. And so they would fall behind right away because he would spend literally three hours setting up a shot. Yeah. I I was sure that that story was like by day five, they were four days behind. Yeah. And $900,000 over. I was sure that was someone exaggerating. And then you read the book and it's like, oh no, that actually, that was exactly what happened. It but just, he was no angel. There's that great uh, story where they, they talk. Like Stephen Bach talks about uh, why. Why are we driving two hours to set? Like, why aren't we shooting yeah. closer? And I think it's. And then he 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 gets the the uh, legal to dig deeper on who they're paying the rent to, and yeah. it's they're paying it to Michael Cimino. He bought the land, right. and he was charging the production back on the Which, on the money. Again, we're in the present day with with Trump and the secure and the Secret Service. Yeah, you're right. Else. Like, yeah, I didn't even think about that about him. It's just uh, good business. It's just where you end up. Yeah, he he predicted everything. But the sense of construction and the sense of, I mean, it is, you could use it as the greatest expression of autourism or the worst because either way, one person is responsible for something. This object was created entirely through his force of will. You know, you get carte blanche after Best Picture, he made this movie. He did. A week after Best Picture. Which he started, <laughs> like, again, that's, they should just delay production like six weeks if they... <laughs> Anybody down the line should just come up with some excuse to pay for an extra four weeks of prep yeah. if they're ever in that situation just again. Just to come down a little bit. Just, just to, to like, your way through it. let them. 
but he created the film that I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that this is the movie he wanted to make. Oh, that, for sure. It, it is. Uh, and what a crazy decision to make a film. Yeah. Like he wanted to make the great American Western, and I think he he accomplished that. I don't think there's a better Western. I mean, I'm a big fan of. There's a uh, duel in the sun, which I think is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's got a lot of interesting things going on. How you shoot it, or how it's shot. I mean, I think the unforgiven unforgiven is close. But big I, fan of the Wild Bunch, I gotta say. Yeah, but even it's that angry. It's like it's angry, that, but it's, it's got not that resignation and that anger that comes from. But it's not immersive in the way. That's true. It's stagey. It's it stagey. It looks like it's shot in a studio a lot. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, uh, you could say the Searchers has a has is a is a little bit, but that's even it's a little campy mm. in terms of the you know the John Wayne of it all and yeah. the, the performance. And I wonder if that isn't what makes Heaven's Gate improve over time as an experience, because in 1980 it would have been received as people playing dress up in a way that maybe now we're okay with, just because we've got a better sense of period texture and detail. Yeah. Because you're transitioning out of the 70s where everything was glossy and weird and, yeah. you know, there's coke sweat in the westerns then because yeah. that's just what was on set at the time. <laughs> but now we're used to it and everybody in it is sufficiently established that we won't have that moment of, oh, Jeff Bridges, he's that young guy. I like, Now yeah, it's yeah, vintage. Yeah. Now it's become now its, it's own record. Yeah, for sure. It has become its own. That's a great way of putting it. And it's interesting when you listen to the actors talk about it, that we're in the middle of doing, you know, 52 takes of the same yeah. thing. But they, I mean, uniformly, they all thought that he really just cared. He really just cared about what, what he was trying to do. And they were happy that somebody around was around that cared. Yeah. And, and not, and that's, you know, you got to, I just don't think, I mean, the closest parallel I think you can come up with recently would probably be, um, what's the DiCaprio movie? Um the oh, guy won the, the best. Revenant, yeah. The Revenant, where the guy won the best picture and then went off to shoot that, yeah. and that got big delays. And I mean, it didn't bring down a studio, but um, that's probably the closest in terms of the suffering. But it's a much different. Yeah, but that's a much different is, film. It's self-inflicted suffering too. The problem I have with The Revenant is that it is unnecessarily insistent on right. How, it's just you know, visceral. Like, just look how cold it's visceral he is. without you know yeah. without it necessarily fording the story. It sort of it sort yeah. of spins its own visceral and it, tires. And at two and a half hours long, you're just aware of how little story there yeah. is. There's just this burning motivation that just keeps coming back over and over again. So you have seen the shorter version. I've never seen the shorter version. No, I, I you have haven't. seen. Uh, I have seen images from it because I remember right. Fangoria did this special feature on the makeup effects for both films, but they were featured differently in Johnson County War. Huh. The, the cut plays up the violence at the end somehow. Okay. And um, I remember that's that was my initial understanding that there was a different version of it. It never made it out here. There is a tape. There was a VHS release somewhere, but I never saw it. I've, right. I've read about the cuts, but, yeah, I haven't experienced it. And the Harvard thing was that was a pickup. That like, was post? That, that was No, that was like he'd shot the main stuff, and then he demanded, like, even when they were, like, oh 32 God, down, he was like, we're, they shot in Oxford. He was like... We're gonna. I, I need another five million, and they were just like, they were all in already. So they're like, okay, but it does. I mean, pay off. Like I said, like the the spinning of them and the joy of that thing uh, juxtaposed with, you know, the um, the fight, the big scene at the end. There's mm. they he makes that visual parallel. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's sunk costs too, right? As you say, you might as well throw in another five <laughs> because I, well, I he's a, he's the horse they're gonna ride. You know what yeah. I mean? And he's just come off Deer Hunter, and he's made Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He he's he's a, an established quantity. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of somebody else who might have been able to get away with something like this, and the only person I can think of is maybe Paul Thomas Anderson. Today. Yeah. Now, because. 
Or, I mean, George Lucas could probably do it because he'd self-finance it. I think, yeah, I mean, Paul Thomas, yeah. Uh, and James Cameron is a guy, I think. But he's so, but he's so. But he built it. Yeah, but he's like, it's so CG and it's so crazy. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Well, I was watching Inherent Vice and thinking about it as as a. But I think of There Will Be Blood and that's probably a close, that can probably be up there with Unforgiven in terms of a Western that's immersive and, and, but also has that meditative sort of pace to it as well. But he's working on that. Like that first twenty minutes is like two thousand and one. He's working on a cosmic level yeah, yeah. of character study, and I think if you, I don't know, I was trying to reconcile all the all the delicate CG and inherent vice that rebuilds of the Hollywood of the seventies that never really the LA of the seventies yep. that doesn't exist anymore. But it's the, like people are walking through that space, yep. and then the nice guys did it too. Shane Black built the fake version of the seventies, yeah. which is amazing in, in its artifice, and those movies echoed to me because Heaven's Gate was being developed right around that time. It comes out of there, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yep. Chimino is running around in those worlds, really, yep. at the time. We just don't see him. And I'm trying to build this weird uh, parallel in my mind between people who work entirely in CG realms and, and create stuff with effects versus Chimino just going off and constructing it and I think, shooting it because that was the only way he knew how. I think even now he would still insist on doing practical stuff. For sure. I think, you know, the only, I mean, the only other director that comes to mind is obviously Kubrick in terms of, you know, rebuilding the hotel and, right. well, he could and the maze. And he could dictate that stuff. But yeah, he, but the thing with Kubrick was that he kept his crew small so he could shoot for nine months and it wouldn't necessarily, he wouldn't go you to wouldn't 40 million. He's not, yeah. he doesn't have a thousand people in the frame at for three weeks at a time, which is what this movie is. And it's not, I mean, I think Cleopatra is probably the only current one and now when you see it it doesn't have any impact on me because you know it's all effects yeah. you know it's all just CGI people and you don't care and it doesn't bring you into that into that world yeah I keep waiting for someone to retell the story to just have the have the ambition and hubris to get it right I yeah I mean I used to joke that that's it should be remade I mean it's uh, but you would get literally kicked out of any pitch yeah. you walked into I mean no executive will will follow but it would be even more timely today. And where, where is a film that 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 takes on that immigrant story in that setting that yeah. that gives it equal weight? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it villainizes the great American capitalists. Yeah, you can do it on the small scale the way James Gray did in The Immigrant. Yeah. But that's the only way in now because you just couldn't make it at the scale that it needs to be made. Yeah. But also. Um, empowers the immigrants mm. and f- and for them to fight and to, you know. Yeah. The immigrant, the, the James Gray movie is a small victory. Yeah. Of a single person walking away. Yeah. This is different. This is much this is different. This a different scale. And the, I mean, he was, cr- I mean, all those people are riding those horses around, like, Isabel really? Hubert is riding that fucking carriage. She is, like, riding, riding the horse. It's very, I'm surprised more people didn't die and they, we don't have, like, more, like, Twilight Zone stories yeah. of that movie because the what the fuck not, they're doing is crazy. Yeah, the horses were not treated well. The horses were not treated well. But, God, that's but there's, other, there's, there's details of his filmmaking, like, there's a scene where they, when all the immigrants run in and they all come over a bridge and one of the carriages uh, crashes and there's just a little moment where you see the guy trying to get his wife or his son I can't remember what it was out from the carriage and he, he just fo- finds these moments that lot, a lot of filmmakers don't 
don't take the time to humanize these things. You know, like how many mm-hmm. times have we seen like uh, like uh, chuck wagons crash or people crash and the horses, you know, but to have that moment where you see somebody struggling to pull out somebody and it's not a big character. It's just one of one of the town's folks, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's actually quite a touching moment and it yeah. and it speaks to the how tough those times were and like how quickly people could just die at a you know in accidents and, and stuff like that yeah as soon as you started talking about that my immediate thought was oh this is a story he's going to tell whatever surviving family members generations from now they'll tell the story yeah yeah and with us it's just a glimpse it's just something we're passing yeah but he does give you the time to focus on it yeah. um as well as you know just the moment where the the one woman shoots herself after she loses you know puts a gun to her head and and it's like such a crazy movie. I, I wish, I wish they would, they would. I would pay money to see it in a theater again for sure, like yeah. a fresh print. I keep hoping that the Lightbox will program the seventy millimeter print. They yes. must still have one. There they must, must be, be, one be one somewhere. Or the neg's got to be somewhere in a yeah. vault somewhere. Or even just a digital. I mean, there's a four K restoration now for the Criterion disc. I think it was four K, wasn't it? Great. So yeah. Can, so that'll that do. Travel. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. But what you said about. Um, uh, giving the smallest characters presence and, and, and yeah. meaning um, gets me to the final question because we're about to wrap up. But uh, the, the moment I'm thinking of now is, is Sarah Gadden's scene in The F Word where we get everything about her character in, what, three minutes? Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the script allows her the space and the movie allows her the opportunity to refute like all of the ideas we've built up about her because we've only heard about her rather than seen her. And suddenly you just see, oh no, she's a person, she's hurt, she's moving on. Yep. And she's sorry that things didn't go very well, but at least she has full representation in the movie. Yeah. So is there something else that you've kind of used or borrowed or stolen from Heaven's Gate in your work? That I wish. I wish I could steal more from Heaven's Gate. I want you to tell me that there was an entire wagon train sequence no. that was cut out. Yeah, no, I wish. Or something. I wish I could get a thousand extras. And No, I think for me the thing I take away visually, it's more a visual thing. It's it's how beautiful that sense of movement is in, in that just that that sense of joy and love that, that they have in the, uh, how much fun the roller skating scene is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and how, and how he uses the camera in the dance scene in Harvard where he's moving the camera, they're spinning, they're moving. I mean, that, that was my big, like visual takeaway was just how beautiful that is. And also the, um, just a sense of landscape in that movie. Like you just gotta shoot your wides shoot wide let it let it breathe and yeah. let 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 it sink in kind of like um oh god what's the von trier film um uh where he just it's all just fucking brutal oh, handheld and then he cuts to uh, wides and just lets lets it sing the fucking breaking the waves breaking the waves yeah. yeah yeah you know what i mean where it's just let it sort of sit and let it and just the the careful construction of the shots i mean one of the most famous shots is the uh is the introduction of christopher walken's character which is so, it's such a great shot, yeah. you know, and just thinking, how can I tell this story and introduce this character with tension and and just sort of grab people? And that's, Jimmy, you know, that's his filmmaking. Yeah. Plus, it's just the pure walk-in that you get, right? Like, this is an actor who is committed completely because he's worked with him. He knows what he's going to get out of it. Yeah. And he is just, like, he's magnetically horrible. Let alone Deer Hunter, you know. But even then, he's, like, hollowed out halfway through. There's, he's playing a husk. Yep. And in Heaven's Gate, he's playing someone who has a full life. You just don't want to be anywhere near it. And I wonder if um, 
I mean, I like Chris Christopherson as an actor, but I can't help but think, like, what if De Niro was that mm. character? And yeah. what, what would, because there's a, he's great in the film, obviously, but there is a woodenness to him, you know? Yeah. And I think it's one of the one of the faults of the movie. It's hard to say that because he is in the movie and he is part of it. But when you think of Deer Hunter and just how, um, how much he owns that movie and how yeah. amazing he is. I don't. Would it have been too contemporary in energy, though? De Niro in period. I mean, yes, we have Godfather too, but for the most part, when he's like, you needs, need that sort of classic Western face of Christopherson or an right? Like or, he's weathered in a, as a young man in a way that maybe De Niro would have read two seventies or two. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I was trying to figure out who else could. It's a little game that I play. If you remake something in period, who would you have remade it with at the time? Yeah. And, Christopherson, like he's he's a limited actor, but I think Chimino uses it in an interesting way, especially when he's around a pair. Yeah, there's definitely a like they're um, feeling each other out all the time. Even yeah, if he's not acting that, and he definitely embodies like he's a very righteous character, and he definitely like embodies that, you yeah. know, in a good way. Yeah, he's got a you know steel plate in his back. Yeah, he's, he's, exactly. He walks like he has a, a ruler or something on him at all times. Yeah, it's hard sure. to explain, but yeah, yeah, it's worth reinvestigating just to see how he would have. Just I, yeah, everybody who makes films should be watching this movie and not and don't believe the hype about how bad it is because it's it really is a masterpiece. It's like the last one of the last masterpieces I think where it, it's uh, at that scale. It's like a it's a tip to that old style of filmmaking that has gone gone away and has gone into uh, effects houses. All right. Well, I hope we pulled some people towards it with this. Yes, that would be absolutely. Nice. My thanks to Michael Douse, whose new series, FUBAR, Age of Computer, premieres on Viceland this Friday, November 3rd at 10.30pm. If you've been wondering what Terry and Dean have been up to, well, you're going to find out. You can find Mike on Twitter at mdouse, all one word, and you can find the director's cut of Heaven's Gate on Blu-ray and DVD in a lovely restoration from the Criterion Collection. I was wrong about the 4K thing, apparently it's just a standard HD restoration, but it looks pretty good. It's also available on iTunes. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review up on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google or wherever, that would be greatly appreciated. Giddy up. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.